Apologies, listeners, we're late. 20 seconds. 20 seconds late. That's not good enough, sir, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> and we have uh, Noel Malloy in studio. <laughs> we have Noel Malloy in studio with us and we have a packed uh, show. So we have, we'll be talking to Seamus Dockery. We'll be talking to um, Tony, uh, the Hurdy Gurdy Museum. And we'll be talking to Jason Fallon. Um, so it's a packed show, uh, a lot of phone calls. But we're going to start off with Noel here. Noel, you're welcome. Thanks, Ursula. Delighted to be here once again. Save my save my bacon a few times so you, yourself yeah, and, 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 and herself. It's always good chatting with you about whatever and mulling over a few things. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've been busy. Yeah, as always, I've been uh, involved in a, a number of projects for the last while and some which are ongoing and some which will continue into next year and that sort of thing. Well, we start with the Eglinton Canal Trash Museum. Yeah, an update on... We spoke about this before, mm-hmm. the project I was involved with, with uh, William & Mary University from uh, Virginia, Virginia. Um, Williamsburg, Virginia. And uh, uh, since then, I have uh, put together a website uh, on the project so as to bring... so. As bring all of the stuff that I will be doing as part of the project together under one one sort of uh, situation. So the actual, the, the, the project, uh, as we said before, is uh, called Bishop, Bishop, the Art Cycle and this is uh, and the website is covering this this year's uh, situation, 2022-2023 And I've also included the past uh, time that we worked together, which was 24, 2015. So all all of the stuff that was done at that time is on the website as well. The website is Bishock, B-I-S-E-A-C-H, artcycle.weebly.com. So you can check it out there. And as sculptures and performances... Uh, I've also done a video called the Jukebox Eglinton, which was, uh, we spoke before, I found this 45 uh, vinyl uh, single. Uh, Yeah, that I gave you, I remember I sent you a copy of the recording. I still haven't found out who the band is that are, are, are playing the song, but I did, I told you about... I found out a lot of information about the actual song and about who it related to as a mayor of Chicago back in the 2030s. An Irish mayor. He was Irish connected, shall we say, and uh, William Hale Thompson, and he was a bit of... He he was a rogue, and he was uh, corrupt, and he was uh, great friends with Al Capone and all of the gangsters at the time, and there's a lot of questions and a lot of uh, it's like uh, there's a line from the Chicago Tribune at the time about the, the damage he actually done to Chicago with all of all his uh, shenanigans and all of the business dealings that he had done and in actual fact when he died it was discovered he had the the equivalent of millions in 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 a in a safe uh, sorry hidden away so that was <clears throat> and uh, the revenue I think picked up on that and though his wife was left with some monies 
some saying that she she did the rest comfortably for the rest of her life on what 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 was discovered. But anyway, the that that's a, a film I made, yeah, sort of documentary film about the whole thing about the 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 thing of finding the 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 vinyl forty five vinyl and um, the whole uh, thing of. Uh, this propaganda song, praising the song is praising this man uh, 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 William Hale Thompson. He was known as Big Bill the Builder because of all of the construction work he did, bridges, uh, road works, all this sort of thing. <coughs> Throughout his uh, tenure as as mayor of Chicago, he had two terms, and it was said that he wouldn't have been elected the second term without the support of Al Capone. There was a lot. It was called. Uh, uh, hand grenade voting or something like this where there was a lot of uh, those that didn't toe the line and vote for William Hale where could have been you know, there was, could have been damage done there so there was a lot of coercion and that sort of thing but um, yeah, so th- so basically where I, I'm getting at with the documentary is like when we hear we heard of recently with the Trump administration and the uh, phrase fake news branded about. Fake news has always been there. It's nothing new. It's propaganda. You know, as long as there's power mongers and there's politicians uh, and money involved, there will be propaganda. And we can see it every day. You know, all we have to do is pick up a newspaper or look at the television or social media and we see we're bombarded I, with propaganda. Yeah, and I suppose it, it depends on what side of the fence you're coming from, where, what, what you're promoting as well. Yeah, and, and it's just there uh, lately in the news we see how the European Parliament has been cr- corrupted through uh, uh, briberies and whatever in terms of the World Cup. So it's there all the time, and it's you know it's there mm. once, as I said, once there's money and power involved, we. The course is going to be there all. It'll never change. Now, when we just get back to the Eglinton Canal Trash mm. Museum, one of the things I wanted to ask you was the vinyl that you found, is that on the Bishop Art Cycle website? Yeah, it's all there. It's and all and there. the vinyl is played on that? Um, the, act, the film I made, the documentary film I made on Read the Vinyl and William Hale Thompson is uh, there's a link there there's a, an actual vi- the video is there on the website so you can see you can hear the you can hear the and and i have it like a done like karaoke type thing on it so you can you can hear the song yeah so what we're looking for is who is the singer we i'm i'm searching and i'm still searching i've done i've numerous numerous yeah. uh, tr- uh through anywhere and everywhere but from the uh, Library of Congress to uh, uh, vintage record sites and the whole lot. Looking for this, I'm beginning. I I'm thinking that it's it could from the sounds of it, it could be an Irish band, and that wouldn't it, that wouldn't have got too far in terms of of popularity and that sort of thing and brought this record out mm. and whatever. Actually, <coughs> the other side of the record is a children's 
song. So it's an unusual uh, mix. comparing mix. Yeah. Some sort of, so I've tried looking for that as well. I've even used microfine glass on the the vinyl itself to get the there's a number scratched on it and whatever. Still no joy. But I'm still going to keep looking and see. Eventually, I'll eventually find <laughs> out who it is. And we, you'll come in here and tell us who oh it is. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> It'll go up in the site anyway, the minute I know. Mm. So. Well, if anybody, you know, if you want to go onto this site and have a listen and see if you can identify yeah. the singer or the band. See if you recognise it information on it? Yeah, I reckon it's going back to maybe the 60s. Yeah, when, and when it was kind of a one-off. Yeah, well the song itself was written back in 23, 1923 so, um, and I know the composer and the lyricist and the whole lot of the, of the song, but and I found it in the Library of Congress but I, I st- there was no mention of uh, recordings yeah. I could, I could, in, in, which is amazing. Okay, well, we move on to the Progress and Contemporary and Future Society exhibition. Yeah, this is a project that's ongoing at the moment, and it, it's a, an exhibition that's happening in Rome. In the uh, is this the one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in a place called uh, Milipani uh, Art Gallery. It's an exhibition space. It's loose, loose Art Gallery, and it's uh, also known as Milipani gallery uh, and it's in Rome in Italy and it opened on the 2nd of December and continues until uh, the 12th of January uh, next year it's an international group exhibition and it involves photography digital mixed media and video so I have a video in this and the video I have is called Starling Tone and um the video is is I I am regularly visited by flocks of starlings. They they nest in um, not so much now because um, a lot of them will have uh, migrated mm. yeah. and that's thing. But they're still about some of them because they don't all migrate and uh, they go as far as Brazil and that sort of thing. So. Um, it's amazing and it usually happens. I'm up probably about five o'clock in the morning and that's when I best work and come uh, dawn they would land in the trees above, uh, and just beside my house and the noise the sound from them I won't say noise, the sound from them is incredible because you could be talking anywhere between three or four hundred starlings so I had discovered before that that the starling is related to the minor bird so it can mimic sounds. Mm. So and they have been heard to mimic uh, mobile phones, telephone. Uh, actually, uh, I was reading up, researching, and whatever, and they they mimic things like chainsaws or cars or whatever sounds that you know. So it's like man's contribution to nature in a sense that they carry these sounds with them, and so. What I did with this video, I took this video and uh, then I made a soundtrack of the the actual sound of the birds yeah. uh, and mingled it with, uh, I think it was about 30 recordings of the various mobile phones and, and phones. And the whole idea being that 
you know the interaction that, you know if that wasn't there they wouldn't be doing it and it's like this is man's intervention in a sense in nature and that sort of thing so it's only about a minute long the video so it's a part of this exhibition that's in Rome at the moment and <coughs> if we wanted to look at the exhibition then yeah they have a website and uh, it's uh, Lucen L-O-O-S-E-N LucenArt dot cargo dot site it's a bit of a biggie uh, forward slash progress on contemporary and future society but if they go into my website normaliaart.com it'll be there in the ec on the exhibition space so it'll be easier it, to find it, it'll be, it's all you have to do is click on it and then get in there and it'll be there they won't see the actual video uh, they'll just see a listing because the video is being screened in the gallery in Rome and when you ever have the video back? I have the video on my YouTube channel. Okay. If you check out the YouTube channel, the video will it, it can be seen there. Okay, so you can see the video on Noel Malloy's YouTube channel. Yeah, but in channel. the actual exhibition itself, no, it's it's physical e exhibition, so it won't, it's not online. Okay. Our next exhibition <coughs> is Walk the Dog video. Now, oh, I was yeah, this is one, this one. is, yeah, uh, it, it was a, a, a bit of an amazing weekend because... You were busy. <laughs> this, the, 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 the other video opened on the 2nd of December and this video is, uh, is in Gdansk and this opened on the 3rd of December. So... That's in Poland. That, and that, that show is actually, yeah, in Poland and that show is actually finished now. Oh. It was a three-day okay. film festival, and uh, I was to attend, and uh, had been invited and was to attend, but I was working out the travel, and it was just crazy, because it would mean to get there on time, it would mean travelling for one day, for actually 24 hours, starting at four o'clock Irish time. Uh, because it could, having to get having to be in the airport in Dublin two hours before the flight, etc., yeah. and plus a fifteen-hour wait in Frankfurt, Maine, to get the connecting flight to Gdansk. So, I physically I I'm not able for that type of uh, once upon a time I used to do it before. You start to sp uh, <laughs> spending hours in airports, but I thought for the for the couple of days that you know it yeah. just I, I wouldn't be able for because it's these things can be very intense and very uh, but there is a picture of you walking the dog on your Facebook page there is that is from the video yeah so the video it, oh yeah the, the 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 festival the film festival the exhibition was in uh, the Lenzia Centre for Contemporary Art in, in Gdansk and you can check the, they, they have a, a website and I don't think I wrote down the bloody website on, on this um, can't remember exactly but anyway, uh, it doesn't matter um, but um, and <coughs> the, the video itself again can be seen on my YouTube channel Okay, it's called Walk the Dog and the basically it's an animated type 
stop-go animation where myself and this uh, piece of sculpture I made of a dog from a vacuum cleaner, an Electrolux vacuum cleaner that I had used in an installation in a show in Roscommon Arts Centre as part of another piece, an installation, and uh, I used this, like, basically the, uh, the, the phrase walk the dog has multiple meanings. It can mean simply... It can mean simply to walk the dog or it can mean like using it as an excuse to slip away to the pub for a few points without your spouse knowing. Or it has uh, deeper sexual connotations in terms of masturbation, in terms of seeking out a one-night stand partner and this sort of thing. So it can be, it's a very demeaning uh has very demeaning connotations towards women, especially okay. it's it's a male orientated phrase p- phrase and and that's it's all mainly to do with sexual oh i I don't know the word yeah. sexual outings we'll say yeah so so it's it's getting it's 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 looking at the idea of uh, language and and how language is used and phrases and idioms and slang and this sort of thing and all of the connotations and the the hidden meanings and the whole lot. So you might be having a conversation with somebody and they would say something to you and uh, they could be meaning something else other than a simple phrase. And I I take what you're saying, walking the dog and the picture of you walking the tin dog looks simple enough yeah. but you're saying there's more to them well I'm talking about the actual phrase itself is 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 uh, mm. has multiple meanings so mm. now can, can we just move on Noel I'm yeah. really sorry time cuts up was really quick here you of know course. that you presented this program oh yeah uh, the next one is which one is it the performance exhibition or the yeah I'll, I'll just talk about the collaboration I did in the Irish Museum of Modern Art and that was done in October and it was a collaborative performance at an event called Earth Rising, and it was done with the performance group BB Beyond, which now I'm a member of. And um, um, so, what does BB Beyond mean? It's it just as it is. It's a word. Be Beyond. Okay. You know. As I in, get it. Yeah, and. Um, it's a it's a collection of performance artists. It's international, and uh, every month they actually hold a performance in uh, various venues, be it in 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 the north or in the south, and have done across Europe and uh, America and that sort of thing. So um, it 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 was uh, Earth Rising was an eco festival that was run in uh, the Irish Museum of Modern Art over four days so we all got together as a group, there was about 25 of us and uh, did performances as individuals and reacting to the other performances performers so it all developed and it was done in the square in Emma. And can I just ask you, this will be an ongoing... Um, oh, I, I, as a member of Be Beyond now, um, I will be involved in other projects as they come along. 
I yeah. will keep an eye on your Facebook page, Noel. Yeah, all ev- everything, ev- all the work I do, uh, I put up on on Facebook. If there's an event coming up, uh, just go Noel Malloy Art uh, Facebook, and uh, you'll you'll see uh, what's coming up. Or you can go to my website, uh, normalieart.com, and I usually, when there's an exhibition or an event coming up, I'll, I'll post it on the exhibitions page. And believe you, you me, listener, Noel is a very, very active junk artist. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is that right? You only live once. <laughs> <laughs> Noel, and time has against us again, right, as you know, for presenting. Sir, great You're more than again. welcome, and I'm yeah, enjoying chatting with you. And thanks for the honey. <laughs> no, the honey is, is, is for herself indoors. Thank you. Thank you. Ho, ho, ho. That was Liz Fletcher from McLone, a song that she wrote herself, a song that I had intended to play last week, but ran out of time, like I always do on the arts programme. Liz Fletcher um, writes quite a lot of uh, her own songs. She wrote a beautiful song about her daughter as well at another stage. So um, thank you to to Liz for that. Um, Let me just get my next guest. Hello, Foxy. Uh, Hello, Ursula. How are you? Are you well? (laughs) I did my research. And Santa Claus told me. Fair play to you. And Santa told me you're Foxy. I am Foxy. Yes, indeed. On special occasions, I'm Foxy. Yes. And let me introduce uh, Seamus Dockery, uh, Smile a while, author of um, some beautiful um, little stories in here, and. Um, little stories, little uh, poetries and drawings and it's a book that you wrote during well you put together I suppose during the co- uh, pandemic, is that right? I did indeed Ursula yes, I tell you it's uh, something I had in the back of my mind for many years to put a book together but uh, from time to time I just put it off again but at the start of 2020, the first few months I put the book together, yes indeed And you write songs as well I do indeed, Ursula, yes. I, you write songs of a country, John, yeah. And you had some of your songs are on CDs and, and tape, tapes and that sort of... Yeah, well... That, Pat, that, hold on, that's go. correct, Ursula, yes. What's the man's name that has one of your songs that I was listening to last night? I yes, I'm, I'm delighted. A, a gentleman called Pat McKenna, English yes. in Country. Yes. Put, put one of my tracks onto his album there a few weeks back, so it's... It's out on all the radio stations now at the moment. Okay. And you're an artist, you paint as well. I do indeed, just in my spare time, which I find quite difficult at the moment now to get spare time. But We won't find that. So now, going back to Smile a While, it's a collection of poems by Seamus Duckery and it's um, on sale in all good bookshops. It's supporting the Mayo Roscommon Hospice. That's what your um, the any funds coming in from that is going to that. And it is actually, yes, indeed. Yeah, and just each story or each poem has a drawing to go with it. That's correct, Ursula. Yes, I thought it might be a nice idea just to put a, a sketch to correspond with uh, each poem, you know, or short story. Well, there's one here I have in front of me that's in the middle of the book, and it's the immigrant returns. And it's about uh, making your way back to Ireland after many years and to to see your home and the way it is today. And you have a beautiful... Is it a painting or it's a picture that you have drawn? It's just a picture that I I sketched out the picture first and then I painted it in myself afterwards, yes. Okay. well, 
you have that as well uh, in, alongside uh, the immigrant returned. I have to say it's a beautiful book. I just had a quick look through it there, um, looking at lost ambition. You know, so many um, Halloween horror, so many variety of different um, different stories and different storylines. Um, Thank you very much, Rosalie. I thought that's a, a variety of poems would be good to put into a book, and I had that, so I said, you know, I'd put it together. So you did put it together, and um, the hospice is very uh, close to your heart, isn't it? It is indeed, Rosalie. I had a few charities in mind, but uh, the, the Mayo Roscommon Hospice was definitely on top of my list. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe sometime in the future when you get a chance, uh, Seamus, you pop into us and maybe sit in here with us in studio and maybe we can go through the book in more detail. Would that be? I would love that, yes. I would love that opportunity. Thank you very much, Sorsley. Yeah. And uh, can I wish you a happy Christmas and um, New Year? And as I said, maybe sometime next year when we have a little bit more time on our, on our hands, you can come in and we'll go through a Smile, a Smile, which is on sale fundraising for the um, Mayo Roscommon Hospice. Thank you very much, Russ. I would appreciate that. Thanks a million. Okay, and you can you don't have to bring in your foxy outfit. <laughs> well, I might just uh, I might just <laughs> do that actually. <laughs> Seamus Skinner, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Ross FM on the Arts Programme, and we'll catch up with you next year. Thank you, Russ. You're more than welcome, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, get on your fabulous programme, which I really enjoy. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Arthur. Bye bye. Bye bye. Erin Gronje Hunt is um, an amazing artist in her own right. Writes her own music, um, and as part of blew our minds away when the Enchanted Creek group came in here. Um, but um, obviously, I think two months ago, and uh, I've been following them ever since. And they're a little bit of Gronje Hunt. Sorry, Gronje, I had to cut you short, but we will have you back in studio live um, when we when when you can get round to to us. You're welcome anytime. Do I have Tony on the line? The Hurdy Gurdy Museum. Hello, Tony. How, how, how are you doing, Ursula? Good to talk to you, even if it's at the end of a telephone. But uh, anyway, we're here, present and correct. Present and correct. The Egyptian Konosotu. Tommy, come Tommy, Okay, well, now, Tony, um, you. You write little stories and you write little pieces of poems and I've seen them and we've heard some of them here before. But this time, uh, when I was chatting to you the last time, you had a Christmas story. Yeah, yeah, I was just listening to the last, uh, the, the, your, your last guest there and uh, just like him there, I did, uh, during COVID, I, I, I attend DCU for uh, creative writing and the piece I'm going to, uh, I've never... I. I've never put them into a book or got them published or anything like that, but maybe one day. But I have one here. It's uh, it, it's rec- I, I, I'm blessed, Ursula, with a with, with a great memory, and I've a good I've a good recall of detail, etc. So the one I've written here is uh, it's a primary school uh, Christmas memoir from the 1950s. So uh, I hope that's suitable there for the program. Well, it's well before the arts program time, but anyway, off you go. <laughs> Okay. Thanks, right. Tony. Uh, now, now it's a Dublin story, so okay. uh, I, 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 I hope that uh, it, it also suits your, your audience. There, yes, your we can travel. Okay, well, here goes. Uh, I attended primary school between 1957 and 1963 at Skullwurra CBS in Marino. 
It was a tough and sometimes cruel regime. We dreaded the Christmas examinations, which took place in early December. Each of us had to bring in a stamped addressed envelope so that the results could be posted home to our parents. I distinctly remember the postage stamps. There were two of them. The two pence, or two penny, I suppose I should say, stamp was green, depicting a small map of Ireland, while the threepenny stamp, or the threepenny stamp, as we used to say, uh, was blue with a Celtic cross design. An envelope with a green stamp couldn't be sealed and had to have the flap inserted inside, unlike the, the one with the Celtic cross, which could be uh, glued closed. I always insisted that my envelope had a blue stamp, okay. as, I had an, as I had an irrational fear of others peeking inside to see my results. When the exams were over, the regime relaxed a little until Christmas, and some of the Christian brothers and lay teachers actually appeared human and let their guards down temporarily. The bumper Christmas number of the monthly Our Boys magazine went on sale in December. It cost sixpence compared to the usual monthly fourpence. Kitty the Hare or Victor O.D. Power always had a suitable Christmas story within. The magazine was published by the Christian Brothers themselves, and in the centre was a pull-out section in, in Irish featuring Lauras Leprechaun, August Tygean Train on Lan of Lauder, Larry the Leprechaun and uh, Strong Tyg. Uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 the strong uh, the strong child but these characters couldn't compete with the likes of Roy of the Rovers Dennis the Menace or Desperate Dan in the more sophisticated British Christmas annuals the highlight of the Christmas season was the Christmas film the brothers had a 16mm projector and hired out the films they hadn't a clue about titles and would seek recommendations from pupils. As there was no school hall, several of the upstairs classrooms had folding partition doors and these were open to create a makeshift cinema. The windows were blacked out and the desks shoved tightly together to accommodate an audience of over a thousand boys aged between 7 and 13 packed in like sardines. There was very little ventilation and as most of us in those days only bathed and changed our clothes once a week you can imagine the pong in that enclosed space. Mm. Mm -hmm. the, <laughs> the home as you're saying there. I'm saying nothing. Before the film commenced, large metal cans of boiled sweets were opened in each classroom and divided out among the pupils, who wrapped them in cones made from old newspapers. The show usually opened with highlights of some past Gaelic football or hurling match. That was in the days before TV. This was followed by the main feature film, contained on several separate reels of film. As each reel ran out, the lights had to be turned on so that the next reel could be attached, as there was only one projector available. The resulting delay would be greeted with howls from the impatient audience. That was bad enough, but nothing compared to the uproar resulting if a film broke or jammed in the projector, as so often happened. 
Mary Andrew starring Danny Kaye and our own Noel Porcel is one film that I remember. And another one was The Guns of Navarone. Yes. Or as we called it, The Nuns of Gavarone. (laughs) 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 We got a half day then and rushed home free for a few weeks to enjoy our Christmas holidays. Soon after Christmas, thoughts would turn to the imminent exam results and the envelope containing them would eventually drop through the letterbox. I usually did okay in the exams and had uh, really nothing to fear, but there was still the anticipation. A few days later, it would be time to return to school where there was no longer any vestiges of the Christmas spirit among the teachers and the Easter school holidays seem so far, far off into the future. Shine, Ursula. Oh, I mean, oh my God, um, uh, that was um, interesting and I actually remember quite a lot of what you're talking about. Now, you did want, uh, you had four lines you were going to say in Irish and then we'd have to be moving on, Tony. You had a little yeah, poem. I have a, I, I have a beautiful little, uh, many of your uh, listeners will probably be familiar with it from Leaving Cert, but this is by Maura McEntee. Uh, she 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 was the wife of uh, Connor Cruz O'Brien. She lived to be ninety nine years of age, okay. and uh, she, yeah, she died in nineteen ninety one, or not nineteen ninety one, then two thousand and twenty one. Okay. But I I I I'll just read the first verse of it, and it's a beautiful poem about uh, about Christmas. And uh, here goes: La quinla na nangal ton sparemoi braca, ta fiacal on chaka ganok. Adig an tine is ter kona lapan, lihik makde in santigsho anot. And the translation of that is roughly, uh, with candles of the angels, the night sky is speckled. Uh, the uh, the cold of the uh, the cold wind from the, the from the hill, uh, you know, is. Uh, is very bitter. Light up the fire and go to your bed. The Son of God sleeps in this house tonight. Now it loses a lot in the translation there, but I just, I just like to finish up on the uh, on the Gaelic. Uh, so here we are. We're back in air again. My God, it's running through pretty fast here. So it is as well. And. Um, yeah, and I just want to say good luck and uh, all the best to uh, Rita Oates, who's opening up a new gallery here in Roscommon. Um, it's late. Uh, Rita's a well-known artist herself, so she's opening up the new gallery and hopefully in the new year we will have Rita in with us. Hello, Jason. Hello, Ursula. This is Jason, uh, following from the Midlands Astronomy. And um, after negotiations that went well into the morning as I stood by my frozen car, um, Jason agreed to get on the air and tell us about the meteor showers and a few other little uh, sky things that are happening. So the meteor showers. Yeah, so we have the Gemini meteor showers. I think we, we spoke about this briefly, so we did uh, at the last chat we had. And um, it, it peaked last night. Now, it did start from the 4th of December and it's running straight through until the 17th of December. Uh, But last night uh, would have been the peak of it, but you would still see up to probably 50 or 60 uh, shooting stars um, per hour uh, coming into tonight. 
which we will we'll have very clear skies. Last night was very uh, foggy still, um, so we didn't get to see too many, but we're hoping tonight now that we'll actually see a good bit more. Okay, so it's going to be clear skies tonight and we're going to be able to see more. Now, I think the thing is that we have to wrap up. Is there... Is yeah, there a we would wrap up pretty well and wrap up, I would advise, it's still pretty cold out there, so it is, so definitely wrap up warm. Um, bit of hot chocolate in a drinking flask or something like this, you know, if you're if you're standing out for a while, even there's no... Uh, pop in and out of the house the only thing is if you're when you're going outside and you're looking out for your eyes to adjust you have to give yourself at least about 30 minutes for your eyes really to adjust to the night sky that you'll actually start seeing a lot more stars visible to your eye if you're in a dark spot because if you keep going into the light your eyes will widen again and then you have to go back out and 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 try and adjust them again but, yes. Yeah, if you're looking straight up, um, they're called a Gemini meteor shower, so it is because it's from the constellation Gemini. Now, they, these meteorites um, shooting stars uh, can be seen from any parts of the night sky. Um, uh, where, where it originated from was um, most um, meteor showers that we see is because the Earth is passing through debris field. Well, it could have been the tail of Halley's Comet, and we're actually, every year we pass through this tail and we get um, shooting stars. This this one is slightly different because it's going to be the first, they're the first meteorites that doesn't come from a comet. It comes from a, like a rocky asteroid okay. that, uh, that, that broke up basically in the, in the asteroid belt between Jupiter and Mars. And every year we pass through the debris of this. So this is why it's, it's so dominant in the night sky. Um, like it's between 60 and 120 shooting stars per hour uh, it can be visible in a dark sky area now we will have uh, a moon rising so we'll, in around 10 o'clock so um, it will start drowning out um, a lot of the night sky Yeah. so it'll become a bit bright uh, So, but no, you would definitely still, still if you're in a, a very dark sky area, even town even from my own backyard and I seen a couple last night between the clouds uh, and that was um, def- definitely one to look out for as a Gemini. It, it's one that most astronomers like going out and get setting up a deck chair and throw a blanket over yourself with a nice warm drink and um, and and just sit and look up because it is fascinating to look at. I think the point you made that I wouldn't have realised was you can't be in and out of the light. You have to be out and adjusted your eyes adjusted to um, looking at at the sky. Yeah, yeah. Like when we're going out observing on the night sky, uh, we do bring red torches, red lights with us because it doesn't affect that. your eyes as, mu- as much. Yeah, you, so if you've <laughs> seen people with telescopes and they have red lights ar- around their telescopes, it's because it, it allows them to see certain, uh, if they're putting something together or taking stuff out of a bag. But if you have a white light and you're walking in and out of your kitchen or you're sitting in them every few minutes just to get warm and going back out again, it takes 30 minutes for your eyes to adjust to the night sky so it's, sometimes if, if you're out walking at night you might notice after about say 20 minutes of a walk and that that you actually look up at the night sky and then realise oh my god I've just seen there's so many stars in the, in the night sky it's because your eyes adjust and start picking up a lot more of the fainter stars that you see so it really fills the night sky itself and especially with the cold weather we're having we it's crispy skies that we'll have um, so very very clear and um, as you've seen probably even last night now yeah. when we were looking out a nice big red star which is the planet Mars is still hovering up nice and bright in the night sky it was very strong um, last night wasn't it 
Not last yeah, night, the so night before. If you were looking up, uh, you have the Seven Sisters, which is the Pleiades, known as the Seven Sisters. They're dominant in the night sky now. Uh, I think it was about 10 o'clock last night when I was out and I was having a quick look. And right beside the Pleiades was um, Mars, a nice big red object in the night sky. Um, then, so we had further on over to the, to the east, then we had um, Jupiter is still very dominant in the night sky, which is a nice big bright star looking uh, object. Um, these, these are fascinating to look at, so even with a telescope the likes of Jupiter, you will pick up some about four or five of its moons uh, itself. And when you say four or five of its moons, there are moons that go round Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter has 60 plus moons orbiting oh. it. Yeah. So we think we're brilliant with one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Jupiter, so you can imagine, I know you can't sit on the surface of Jupiter, but could you imagine at night, uh, sitting at night on, on Jupiter and looking out? At the moons. Uh, yeah, it has 60 plus uh, moons, but there's four to five dominant moons, which is pretty close to Jupiter, uh, Ganymede, Glypto, like there's other moons there as well that we do be constantly looking at. And you can see... They're the largest of their moons, so if you're looking through a telescope or even a, uh, the likes of a pair of binoculars, you will pick out at least four or five of its moons beside Jupiter. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it's very... Mars is pretty much... Or, sorry, Saturn is pretty much the same as well. If you're looking at Saturn, um, you will see its rings, and you might just make out a couple of its moons also as well. And Saturn comes up quite a lot on, on um, the Midland Astronomy page. Um, the... Um, let's say the photographs of Saturn look kind of yeah. sandy with rings around them. Am I giving Yes, yeah, like I mean, as you know, like we had Dr. Linda Spelker yeah. over from NASA, JPL, that she was the mission specialist for the Cassini project at the time when it was going. And like 17th of September. Some, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember well. I never um, forget it. Fantastic images taken by Cassini of Saturn itself and that, and, and the rings of Saturn. And, how they, you know, speculations of how they formed because there's so much dust and ice that these rings are made of going around Saturn. Um, some astronomers would say it was a planet that was probably torn apart by the gravitational pull of Saturn that actually caused the rings. Uh, Earth probably was were once like Saturn as well before our moon formed because we we know the the composite of of the moon is the very same as Earth, so speculations have been that on the formation of Earth that it was another planet that crashed into Earth and mm. what ended up happening was uh, we'd no moon at the time and um, it crashed into Earth so basically the Earth reformed but then it caused the belt going around it with the debris that was left from the planet to crash into along with the Earth's debris and formed the moon so eventually clumped together and formed a moon because we know the moon is moving away from us by five centimetres every year so it was a lot closer if you go back even prehistoric times uh, the moon would have been still a lot closer to the earth and, uh, how, and, that, but and how would that affect us with the moon moving away well we know the moon the, the moon stabilizes us it stabilizes our planets it gives us our seasons uh you know it, it, it gives us our tides in the oceans and that you know but it'd be, i think we the, the earth i think they by the time the moon moves away from the earth um you and I will be long be well gone. gone at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and I will be well gone. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. And 
there's been a lot of pictures about different things um, coming up on, on we'll say, the national media about different discoveries with the, the, the latest um, Artemis. The Artemis missions, yeah. yeah like, I mean, I mean, that was a very successful mission. We splashed down uh, the other day. It, it returned back to Earth. Um, NASA are very, very pleased with it. Uh, they flew it out past the moon uh, and it returned safely. A couple of little glitches here and there, as as to be expected in that. But I mean, I I think they're gearing up now. They're ready to uh, maybe man is heading back towards the moon this time, and we'll actually have somebody with their camera phone probably just taking a picture off it as they fly by and come back again. Um, but there's some fabulous images sent back of the Earth and the Moon since the Apollo era um, from Artemis. Uh, any of the science experiments that have done on it are all a major success. Um, the life support system that was actually on it and I think we were t- when we were talking about it before that had dummies inside it with sensors all over it to represent human tissue the, you know the pressures uh, of being in space they all were a success and all that that there be, be, should be no problem at all for them to uh, strap man or, or a woman to a rocket again and send them back to the moon and hopefully uh, that'll be soon um um uh, way back, um, Jason, when uh, Linda and her husband were over, we were looking at um, buildings. When I say buildings, um, buildings that could house people who could land on the moon. How, you know, like hotels, we'll say, or docking yeah. stations, or I, I don't know. So, yeah. How was that doing? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, the way it is, is it's. They've, they've, they've know, they know that there's water on the moon, so there is in the craters in the form of ice. So they know that there, you, you could you could survive there. So you could under like a building, say a capsule or that. So the the plan is 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 to build on the moon. And if you're going to build on the moon, we always always have we already have space tourists, people that's paying millions of dollars uh, to go up to the international space station to spend a, a month up there and then come home again. So this is going to become very, very big where you're going to have corporations that are actually going to be, okay, we've landed on the moon, what do we do next? Well, why don't we build on the moon? Why don't we use that? Why don't we put a hotel on the moon? Uh, and uh, There are already space stations being thought of that will actually have hotels built into them. And Tom Spilker, uh, Linda's husband, was yeah. one of them guys that was actually coming up with the plans. And I think... The famous Sean's Baron at Lome, where we brought them down for a nice pint of Guinness one night. We and saw he them. Pulled out these, he pulled out these plans and showed us them, and that like so. He's in. He's with with other um, with other corporations because he's a designer for NASA. Uh, they've came up with a, like a hotel, and the hotel is similar to that movie that was out years ago by Stanley Kubrick. I think it was uh, Space Odyssey. Um, where you had that like space station going like it was a circular object just outside the Earth's atmosphere floating around. Yeah. But it was a hotel, you know. And so landing docks. This, yeah. Well, this, this is this will be the thing because uh, there's money to be made out there. So you know we've done the whole hotel business on Earth. So why not buy build a hotel somewhere else and charge somebody an absolutely fortune to go out to it? So this is what's going to happen next, definitely. Anyway. But Jason, the moon is the place to build. Yeah. So. Um, Jason, about a minute left. Um, we talked about this before. I'm going to talk about it one more time. Uh, the North Star. The yeah, I, yeah. I know I asked you last start. week, but um, somebody, a couple of people, couldn't hear what was going on because the studio was full. 
the North Star? Yeah, yeah. The, so the, the North Star, we're talking about the Star of Bethlehem, yeah. um, as, as they call it. Yeah, so uh, we know that there was the, the three wise men and in the scriptures and stuff like that, it was uh, that they followed um, a star that was actually shining down on the manger where uh, baby Jesus was born. So um, on the scientific fact of it and that um, the speculations have been that it was the planet uh, Jupiter that could have been visible on the night sky that it just happened to be situated over the manger because it's very dominant in our, on our, in our night sky. Some others are saying there, it could have been a comet. The Chinese are saying uh, during their, in their artifacts during that time uh, that we were saying that Catholics were saying that the, the Christ was born was a supernova, something like what we're expecting, which was a star, a star that ex- exploded. So it would have been very dominant in the night sky. Even during the day, it would have been very shiny. And if it was situated directly over that, it could have been the star of Bethlehem. Bringing baby Jesus home. Listen, Jason, thank you so much. I, from a frozen morning uh, and chatting, you really uh, brought the sky to, to life for us this afternoon here. Wish you a happy new year and all in the Midland Astronomy. And I know I did it last week, but uh, thank you. Forever grateful. No problem at all. Happy Christmas to you all in uh, Ross FM. And we'll, ca- we'll catch up with you next year, Jason. You're we not going be. anywhere. We, we yeah. will be. <laughs> all right.